Good morning, everybody. Those of you that don't know me, my name is Andy Hermanson. I'm uh, one of the people on staff here. I'm uh, privileged to be leading uh, this wonderful church that we call uh, Hope Des Moines. Uh, I'm one of the guys that gets to preach every once in a while. Uh, and uh, if, if, if I could echo what Brianne said this morning in our announcements, welcome. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, we are delighted to have you here. And in fact, we believe that it's no accident that you're here. We, we pray all the time for God to bring amazing people, and he does that week after week. So uh, we are excited to have you here. Uh, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of reasons why I like coming here and being a part of Hope Des Moines, but here's my favorite. This, this is what I was thinking about during the deeply spiritual moment, you know, as um, we're singing worship songs. I'm like, you know what I love about this group of people? You guys are the kind of people that let your pastor preach in flip-flops, all right? Is that, are we a great group of people or what? Absolutely. We have a lot of fun, and what's cool about it is we don't just have a deep a uh, sense of play when we come together. Like, we do have a lot of fun, and we try and not take ourselves too seriously. But here's the other thing I love about this community. We have this purpose also, right? So we're high play, but we're also high purpose, meaning there's, there's a reason why we come together. And, and we have seen glimpse after glimpse of that, of why God brings a group like this together. Uh, and we're so excited about that. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited this morning, but that's just a couple I wanted to share with you. So, all right, so you're sitting here this morning, and you just saw a commercial uh, for an iPhone. Now, be honest. How many of you saw that, and you, like, started to get a little emotional? Was there anybody? Like, okay, thank you. Thank you. I am not the only one. I mean, some of you are probably sitting here saying, why did you just show me that? Well, I'll tell you why I just showed you that. As I've been watching that, and apparently I've been watching a lot of TV lately because I feel like I've seen that commercial a hundred times. Maybe, maybe it's because I feel like I've been really stressed lately and that's how I just tune out and so I just watch TV every once in a while and after the kids go to bed and, and just, just relax. But this commercial, there's something about it that I haven't been able to let go of. It's something that's, that's been on my mind uh, and I think it's because well, it relates to what we're talking about today. Right? We're doing a, a sermon series right now. It's called Since You Asked, and it's, it's looking through uh, a series of questions that as pastors of multiple, uh, uh, all of our Hope campuses, we kind of got together and we said, like, what are the things that people are asking right now? What are the challenges that we're facing that people are really trying to understand and get to the bottom of so that we can experience breakthrough, so we can experience growth as God's people? And so this sermon series came up, and the question that we're going to talk about today is how do I make space for community? And so this week, as I've been studying God's word, as I've been praying, as I've been thinking about you all and, and what God wants to say and do for you this morning, this iPhone commercial, just I can't get it out of my head. And it's interesting when you look at it. Because you see all these different walks of life. You see all of these, these essences, these expressions of humanity connecting in all these different areas. And it's only possible, right, to be on the other side of the globe going around some city Right, or showing someone your baby belly, or did you? I love the guy that's embarrassed to like kiss the phone. His girlfriend's like, Give me a kiss, and he's like, No, not, but he does it, right? It's what we're talking about today. It's, it's this fundamental need that we all have. It's an important question to wrestle with how do I make space for community? Because it gets to a fundamental, an essential, a basic human need that we all have. This fundamental need to belong, right? To be known, to be connected with each other. And here's the thing. Apple knows that that is our essential need, right? They're not idiots. Apple's not a stupid company, right? They know exactly what they're doing. 
And they use this kind of understanding. I mean, if you think about it, it's a really simple commercial to make, and they use it because it resonates with all of us. It's because it's a part of what it means for us to be human. And the thing that we all have to agree on this morning is we begin to answer this question, how do we make for space for community, is first this idea that we all long for community. Will you agree with me on that this morning? We all want to be connected to each other. Good. Right? And we see this all over the place. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for this. Maybe it's the reason for a lot of things. Maybe it's the reason why, get this, 11% of the world's population, doesn't sound like a big number, right? It's a huge number. 1.2 billion people are on Facebook. 1.2 billion people in almost every country now, someone is on Facebook. But you think that's crazy. Check this out. It's why 6 billion of us, nearly the entire world's population, owns a cell phone. Did you know there are more cell phones in the world now than toilets? There's another thing you didn't know you were going to learn this morning at church, did you? All right? What's more essential there? That's what I'm wondering. All right? But we all long for this community. And so we even up the importance there. We, we see cell phones everywhere. And it's why when this desire is taken too far, it turns into a debacle. Now, I want you guys to look up here on the screen and see the guy on the left, the, the little kid on the left. Does anybody recognize this kid? Right? You should if you were watching the news a couple years ago. And I'll give you a little hint. There's a little balloon that's down in the corner. This kid's name is Falcon. And I think this is the perfect example of what happens when, when we don't channel our desire to connect maybe in the healthiest of ways. All right? If you don't recognize Falcon, you should because he became famous when the world thought that he was trapped in that balloon thousands of feet above the Colorado landscape. That is until they found him in his garage. Like they scrambled F-16s to go check on this guy, right? Because his dad said, we can't find him. The weather balloon's gone. He must be up there. So he was famous till they found him in the garage, and eventually, on CNN, he spilled the beans that the entire thing was a gimmick so that they could get on a reality TV show. Do you think human beings want to connect? Do you think human beings want to be known and are willing to do whatever it takes to make that happen? Absolutely. We all long for community. Apparently, some of us more than others, but... We do this because it's the way that God has wired us to be, too. That's what I want you to know this morning. This longing we all have for community, it's no accident. So if we're going to dive into this this morning, how do we make space for community? Then we have to understand the tension that we live when it comes to being in community. Because there's this part of us that really longs for it, but there's something that holds us back. We need to understand who we are. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to pull them out, and let's go to Genesis 1. Genesis chapter 1. I'll give you a hint on the page number. It's the first page. All right, it's the beginning of the book, the very, the very book of the entire Bible. And here's the thing, as you're turning there, I want to let you know this. There are a lot of cool things in Genesis. There are a lot of cool things in Genesis. But what I want to share with you this morning might just be my favorite. It might just blow your mind. All right, if anybody's mind gets blown, that's why we have drinks and, and nourishment in the back in case you need to re you know, fuel yourself to go through this because it's, a, it's an outstanding insight and I want to present it to you this morning. So if you've got your Bibles and you've turned to Genesis 1, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. All right, you ready for this? All right, this is the sentence that changes everything when we really understand it. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Boom! There it is. Nobody's mind is blown. Right? 
Okay, well, maybe I was overestimating things, but there is, it is an important thing to know. When we look at Genesis and when you read this book, in fact, when you read the entire Bible, especially though Genesis, the first few chapters of Genesis, a couple things you need to know. One, you need to know that you were created in the image of God. And when you understand that, it changes everything. Because here, help, let me help you understand this. Being created in the image of God, it means that when, when I, when the people sitting next to you, when the people that you're going to see later on the day, when they interact with you, the people in your office or, or your job or wherever you spend your free time tomorrow, when those people see you, when they experience you, when they feel the full weight of who you are, the reality is if this verse is true, then they see God. Right? We think of God as this amazing person, this being, this powerful. Do you understand the, the essence, the goodness, the fabric, whatever it is that makes God this, this design, the thing that makes him so amazing is the same material that he used to make you. Right? You are made in the image of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're made in the image of God. And this means a lot of things, but I'll tell you what it means most readily. It means that you're beautiful, and I got a question for you this morning. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that you're worth something? Do you believe that there's nobody else like you, and inherently deep down in your soul, no matter what your story is, no matter where you've been, no matter what life is thrown at you, you're good? This verse changes everything. You were made in the image of God. And some of you don't believe that. And we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit later. But, but that's the thing. Now, I said there were two things you need to know about Genesis. One is that you were created in the image of God. The second thing, well, let's just go back to the verse. Let us make human beings, God started to say. And you might read that and you might say, wait a minute. God's saying that, but he's speaking in the plural, right? Who's the us? Who's the us? So you go to Genesis 1. Verses 1 and 2, God tells you. It says, in the beginning, and God created the heavens and the earth, right? But then it says, the Spirit was over the waters. If you go to John 1, it talks about the Word was there at the beginning. And everything was created through. So when you understand the us in that sentence, it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here's what you need to know this morning. Not only were you created in the image of God, not only were you created in the image of God, which is amazing when you think about it. I'm telling you, if that sinks in, it's going to change your life. Right? Not only were you created in the image of God, but that image is also one of community. Wherever God goes, he's already got his two best friends with him. Isn't that great? I am a flaming extrovert. Nothing sounds more like heaven than always having two people to talk to in my life. Now, I know not all of us are created that same way, right? But when I think about this, I think about the Trinity there at creation. I, did any of you see the movie Three Amigos? I can't help but think about the Three Amigos. They show up and they're having a party and I was going to do the dance, you know, and hurrah! I'm not going to do that for you this morning. But you can imagine it in your head if you want, right? That is the image of God. Wherever God goes, the party is already there. They have this relationship where they depend on one another, where they serve one another, where they work as a team for the common good. They sacrifice for one another. This is who we are, right? You were created in the image of God, and this image is rooted in community. 
And so it's for this reason in the very next chapter of Genesis, as God creates Adam, he says, it's not good for a man to be alone. Partly because he'll probably eat too much pizza and play too many video games, right? It's not good for a man to be alone. Amen? Amen. Amen. But it's so much deeper than that, too. We desire to be connected. In fact, Adam needs a partner to reflect who God has made him to be. We were created to be in relationship. We were created to be in community. And not just any kind of community, not just any kind of relationship, but the very last verse in chapter 2 of Genesis, as Adam and Eve are now created and together, this is what the Bible chooses to tell us about their relationship. Now the man and his wife were both naked. Ugh. They were naked, but they felt no shame. They were naked and they felt no shame. You know how hard it was to find a slide, a picture background for the slide? Right? I, I googled Adam and Eve and I was like, whoa, I don't need to see that, especially in church on Sunday morning. Right? And some of you are going to take this verse incredibly literally and you're going to think, what? The pastor told us to be naked? No, that's not what I'm saying. Right? But when you think about the nature of the relationships that we have, God designed us not only to be in the image of God, not only to be in community, but real biblical community. Community where emotionally, right, where when it comes to sharing your story, you are naked and unashamed. And now all, none of us are going to have billions of these types of relationships, but, but research tells us you should have at least two or three people in your life that you have that kind of intimacy with, where you're that connected to. And then you have, it kind of goes out in concentric circles. They call them spaces. There, there are four types of relational spaces that start with this intimate and go all the way to the personal, to the social, and to the public where we just interact with people because we have something distant in common, like we love the same football team. All of us were created to be in these kinds of relationships. God created us to be vulnerable so that the, the part of us, who he's put in us, can come out. And you think, okay, well, that sounds good. I'll be in community. That's easy, right? But then something happened. In fact, Genesis 3 happened. And I'll spare you the story, and you probably have heard it, but Adam and Eve sinned. They took a bite out of the, the fruit. They broke God's command, and shame entered the world. And this is what the Bible has to say about it. This is the consequences of their disobedience to God. At that moment, their eyes were opened. And notice what begins to change. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. Right? All of this peace, this joy, this love that was in their hearts got shoved out, and that space now in their hearts was filled with shame. And ever since, human beings have struggled with the temptation to live shallow lives with shallow relationships pretending like our crap doesn't even exist. This is where the tension comes in community. We don't have room anymore, unbridled, unfettered room for relationships. We allow these other things to sneak in, living shallow lives with shallow relationships. And the digital age that we live in isn't helping much either. Check this out. From 1985 to 2004, so a span of almost 20 years, they did a research survey and they found out that the number of people who said they have not a single person to tell their deepest, you know, to confide in, to share their deep, meaningful truths with, how, how they're feeling, what's going on, their entire story, the number of people in our society, it tripled. In 2004, they estimate that 
that 25% have nobody to lean on. They have no community. So again, we're caught in this tension where we're designed to connect. God has brought us together, but we have this wound with us. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3, this wound that's in us that's, that's filling that space that pushes against all of this designed to be connected, which makes us prefer sewing on fig leaves to being naked and unashamed. Here's my question this morning. What do your fig leaves look like? What are the things when you show up here that you put out there so other people will see so we really don't get to see the truth of who you are? So we, and I'll put it positively, so we don't get to experience the beauty of who you really are. Because again, you were created in the image of God. So you might be saying, wow, this is the most positive, uplifting sermon I've ever heard, Andy. Thank you for giving me all this great news, right? Right? Some of you are sitting here saying, okay, let's get to the good news. Good. I want to get to the good news too. And here's amazing. If you're asking, where is the good news? I don't even have to tell you to turn the page. You can look at the very next verse, verse 8 in chapter 3. This is what God did when he saw us get wrapped up in shame and disconnected from community. It says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? I love that part of the story. Because what that says is that God didn't leave. Right? God didn't pout. Oh, they disobeyed me, and he went off and did his own thing. He didn't, he didn't take his ball and go home. No, God pursued us. And the amazing thing, and you have to understand this, if you're going to be a part of this church, is that God is still doing that today. He's just using you and I to do it. God is still pursuing us as we try and hide who we are, as, as we sow on thousands of fig leaves, covering ourselves and diminishing the beauty of who God has made us to be. God is still pursuing us today, but he's using you, and he's using me and everybody else here, everyone that's a part of this community, to do this. And so I thought it'd be good this morning for us just to take a, a look, to get a snapshot of what does it look like for us to be in this? How do we make space for community? So if you've got your Bible, turn to Luke Chapter 5. This is one of my favorite stories. Genesis is, is good, but this is one of my favorite stories, mostly because it kind of involves breaking the law. So what does it look like to be community for one another? I want you to turn to Luke chapter 5, and I want you to grab verse 17. I'm going to start there, and I want to read this story to you. Remember, God's been pursuing us for years, but now something has changed. Now he's using us as the church to do it. This is what it says. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. And the healing, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So all these people had gathered together and it says that the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Now if anything is going to draw a crowd together, this would be it, right? Iowa State Fair, forget about it, right? Jesus is healing people here. And notice what happened. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles. Now, I think this translation is putting it a little nicely. Don't, don't you think those guys were like, well, we got to do something. So they got out their fists or their sledgehammers. Whatever. I mean, they just pounded the heck out of that roof, right? They made a way for it to happen. 
So desperately they wanted to get their friend to Jesus that they made a way for it to happen. So they went up to the roof and they took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus, seeing their faith, not his faith, but his friend's faith. Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees have a cow and they go ballistic. They say, you can't do that. You can't even, you can't forgive sins. Only God can do that. And you, Jesus, you are certainly not God. And then Jesus reads their thoughts, which is only slightly disturbing if we think about it. Right? And he says, why do you ask this question in your hearts? And he starts to challenge them and he says, just so I will prove to you that I have the authority to walk on, the authority on earth to forgive sins, I'm going to heal this guy. And so he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And notice what the effect of all of this is. Because these guys brought their friend to this house and they were willing to destroy some property, immediately... As everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. What does that tell you about what it means to be a part of Christian community? You may be sitting out there this morning and saying, You know, I'm a pretty good brother in Christ. I'm a pretty good sister in Christ. I take good care of the fellow Christians, the people that I meet along the way. Let me just ask you a question. Have you ever destroyed property? Right? Have you ever broken something on purpose in order to help somebody feel loved and challenged by God? Now, if you have, that's great. I'm not endorsing that. But you get the sense. Where do we draw the line in terms of what we're doing to bring love and peace and compassionate people. The thing that I love more than anything else is I look at this story. I mean, the guy's paralyzed. Like, when you're paralyzed, you can't do anything. So either this guy has a really good sense of humor, and he just knows how to wine and dine people with words, or he's part of a deep community, even maybe before he was paralyzed, maybe after. But somehow he's gotten connected to these people that, that see that he's rooted in the image of God. And they understand that that image of God is rooted in community. This is what the church does when it's at its best. This is what we do when we let God get a hold of our community. We help the broken people find Jesus. And all of us are broken, by the way. It's not just for the people out there, but it's the person sitting next to you. And this could not be important, more important, because we are surrounded by a dying world that is dying to be known. Go back to those fundamental needs. Why is Apple making millions of dollars selling iPhones? Because people want to be connected. They want to be known. And yet so many of us are surrounded by all of these gadgets. And we feel as alone as we've ever been. I think we've got some work to do as a community when it comes to being these kind of people to each other. <laughs> As the church, we're called to love, not just play church, not just show up on Sunday morning and eat our donut holes, which again, I'm a big fan of. I love donut holes, right? But isn't there so much more to it than this, this morning? The church is called to love. And maybe we need to get a clarification this morning about what it means to love. I mean, I think about the way that I use the word love. Sometimes I'll tell my wife or my kids, I love you. I say to this church, I love you, and I mean that, right? But then I turn around and I say, I love tacos, Right? I love bebops. I mean, I love bebops. Right? But that's a completely different use of the word love. 
Maybe it's time we allowed God to redefine this word love for us. Let's take a look at a video that aims to do just that. Love's a big deal, amen? Amen. Being in community is too. Especially when you've been created in the image of God and that image of God happens to be one of community. So maybe I should answer the question that I'm supposed to answer as part of this sermon today, huh? How do we do this? How do we do this? That's where the Bible reading for today comes in handy. If in your bulletins you should have a card that looks like this. It's got uh, a, a translation or a paraphrase of the Romans text that was read for us beautifully up here this morning. And, and as I was looking this week, I thought, I, I don't need to tell you how to do this. God already has. So what I did is I put this, and I love the way that the message shares this. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled. Be alert. Be servants of the master, cheerfully and expectant. Don't quit in the hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Needy is such a loaded word, isn't it? None of us want to be needy, but in reality, if we understand who we are in Christ, right? if we understand how broken we are as humans, if we believe what happened in Genesis to be true, then all of us are needy to some extent, aren't we? Isn't being in community just admitting that? I love the next one. Be inventive in hospitality. Maybe the best hospitality you can offer is to actually listen. Right? When you ask someone, oh, how are you? Or when they ask you, you actually mean what you say. You don't just gloss over it. I know sometimes we're in a hurry and we don't have time and we use it as a greeting. But what if we actually meant that question? Continuing on, bless your enemies. Laugh with your happy friends. I love that. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they get down. And get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies, whoever that is. Don't be the great somebody. How do we make space for community? I think Romans 12 is a really great start. And so we want to give you this card to go and to put on your mirror or somewhere in your car, someplace where you're going to see it every once in a while. You're going to be reminded that just showing up and being here is, is great. But showing up and being here and contributing to this community, that's what God is looking for. That's where we're headed as a church, and we want you to be a part of it. Now, I couldn't just do that and be done. I had to, of course, come up with some more things to share with you. So I've got three other things that I I don't just want to share with you this morning. I don't just want to tell you about them, but I want you to experience them so that you understand the power of what we're talking about in community. We don't just talk about this. We don't just do our life groups or, or have you guys shake hands or give high fives beginning of service because it's a good time filler or it's something just to, to do. We do it because God uses it to change lives. And so we want you to experience the power of community. So the first thing that we do in these three things, number one, we remember what it really is that brings us together. All right, I want you to look around this morning. Just, just look around. Do a 360. Look around at all of the strange people that have shown up here this morning. All right? Why else would we be here, right, unless God was doing something? We've got people from all different walks of life. We live in different parts of town. We've got different hobbies. We've got different stories. Some of us have had amazing things happen to us, and some of us have had the absolute worst things happen to us. You may have come here just to get a good, feel-good church sermon, and, and maybe you will get that by God's grace. 
But maybe there's something more that's going on. Maybe the real thing that's brought us here is our brokenness and the fact that when God shows up, when we come together and worship, it's an all-you-can-eat buffet of love and grace and power. Maybe that's what God wants to do. And so I want to help you experience, I want to help you remember why you're here today. And so I want to invite you to stand. Because we're going to confess our sin. I think the first step to entering into community is to remember that we're broken, that we don't have it all figured out together. So we'll put the words up on the screen and let's, let's confess this together. And as you do this, just let this be your prayer. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. Here's why I love doing that. Not only because I can make you stand up and sit down and do all those kinds of fun things, right? It's really fun being a pastor some days. No, it's because it's true. It's because it's true. It's because when we confess our, our sin, 1 John, James, uh, there are a number of texts that talk about God who is faithful and just. He forgives us of all of our unrighteousness, right? This story, I mean, I've been going to church all of my life. And this story that I messed up and yet God loves me anyway, I think it goes back to that stuff in Genesis, but it never gets old. Sometimes it gets kind of routine and rote for us, but it never gets old because it's true. And I think if you want to make space for community, if you want to begin to push that shame out of your heart, that whatever it is that, that forces you and drives you to hide who you are, to filter who you present as your being to the people around you, I think it starts with this. I think it's just a simple prayer that says, God, I don't have what it takes. I need your help. So that's the first thing. But there's more to it than that. The second thing, if we want to make space for community that we need to do is to remember, to remember and to celebrate what God has done for us and what he wants to do through us. So in order to help you experience that this morning, I want to invite uh, my friend Rick up. So everybody say, hi, Rick. Hi, Rick. So Rick is a stand-up guy. You may have seen him around here. He's a... Uh, He's one of our, I don't know, how do, you, how do I describe you, Rick? Amazing. Yeah, there you go. Right? One of the, uh, one of the, the most amazing. But no, he's a, he's a good guy and uh, has lots of good things to say. So I invite Rick wait, up wait. here. Is Jody in the audience? No, she's not <laughs> here, so keep going, Andy. Yeah. All right. Right. No, uh, Jody is his wife, in case you didn't know who he was talking about. So, no, uh, Maybe you've seen Rick around. He, he does some ushering, and uh, he's just a, a servant-hearted guy. He uh, is working on our facility, trying to help us figure out it, if we're going to have a building and where that looks like. So he's been doing a lot of things. So maybe you recognize Rick's face. Um, but I think, I think part of this understanding of being in community is realizing what God has already done. And I think part of it, too, is just taking off some fig leaves and really letting people know who we are, know our story and, 
and kind of those things about us. So, Rick, I want to give you a chance to do that. Thank you for agreeing to come up here today. I know this is really exciting and easy for you to be in front of a group of people. So, Sure. <laughs> All right, so will you just help us get to know you a little bit? First, just tell us who you are and help us understand who's Rick Worth. Um, well, I'm still trying to figure that out, I think. The, uh, you know, that is an ongoing process, at least for me it has been. And uh, um, God has been working on me for many, many years, even when I chose to deny it or not accept it, or I chose to control it to how, uh, how I wanted it to be. Um, Jody, uh, my wife of 37 years. Yeah, you got to uh, get that number right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and I have lived in Des Moines for, um, I guess, going on eight years. Um, if you looked at my career, you'd say I was probably in the witness protection program. Um, did a lot of uh, interesting work around the world, <laughs> and um, have been my life has been protecting other people and corporations, and uh, and and I think I've been serving God, but in my way. Mm. Um, I would say uh, for the 15 years we lived in Tennessee before moving to Iowa, very involved in leadership roles, volunteered in all kinds of things, was a mission leader. Um, but my story is more about I was being Martha. Um, and for those that don't know what that means, it means I was doing a lot of good stuff thinking that I was doing, and, and it was good stuff, I, I don't deny that. Um, but it wasn't with a giving heart and a caring heart, and it absolutely wasn't in community or in relationships. So, so what you're saying there was the, the outward expression of what people saw of you, but there was also what was going on the inside. And there, there was a discrepancy there. There was a difference. Now, as we've talked, and I've gotten to know your story, do you need some more cord? Nope. It's not going to go much further. So. Uh, I know you talked about uh, at some point... I don't know if that was before coming here or if it's what that's been like, um, but you were in a really dark spot. So it was, it was tough. It was really tough. And I was wondering if you would share a little bit about what was going on there and, and kind of what, what that looked like. So for me, um, what you, most of you see um, and I, has been a mask. I have hid behind being outgoing and um, engaged and caring, and not that I didn't care, but it was always having to protect myself because I didn't trust people. I was fearful of relationships because I was going to have to let go of my control. Um, and, um, and I had to change things in my heart. I had to really be engaged. And that's not how I was raised. My father was a perfectionist, my, uh, uh, very controlling, um, but he did the best he could as well. And, and so that baggage that I've come with, I've learned for 59 years, has been ingrained in me. So I have to hide behind stuff, and I hide, hid behind saying, good morning, how are you? Did I really care how you were? Well, I, I kind of did. In my heart, I knew I did. But I didn't want to go, that, that was the end of the question, okay? That, that conversation wasn't going any farther. And then I went further with that, with being able to hide behind that with alcohol. So the, for the past year and a half, I have been working on my recovery from alcoholism.
This isn't about me. This is about the glory to God that God led me to say, you know in your heart, this is not what I want for you. I love you. I want, to, I want you to be in my image. And, and he started speaking to me. Honestly, when we, Jody and I started visiting Hope Des Moines, we just felt we, God put us in the right place. And, and it was letting go of those. And so that was probably four or four and a half years ago. And it still took me a while to realize that what was going on in my life was I was continuing to hide from myself and hide from people and not be in relationships. And I could do that really well at home drinking every night after work. That was where I isolated. That's where I hid from. And, and then God started opening up those doors to me to say, there's more here, Rick. You're just, you got past this little alcohol thing. What about relationships about people who, you, who care about me? And I couldn't believe people cared about me. You know, I, that wasn't, I didn't like myself. I didn't like what was inside of me because I, I knew I hurt people, didn't have real relationships. So how would you say community, well, let me rephrase that. How, how did God use community, this or other? I mean, people wherever, right? But, but it's your brothers and sisters in Christ, the people that God had brought into your life how as you went through this turning point and have turned and, and really been pursuing healing through community with God, through community with brothers and sisters in Christ, I mean, how, how have people, how has God used the people around you in that? Well, I think just part of it is, is I had to finally let go. I had to let go of the control. I had to let go of what was in my heart and my mind, um, which was a big, big deal um, to... I think I was doing all the right things, but knowing that uh, you're just scratching the surface, you're playing here, Rick. Um, and then beginning to understand that other people cared about me. I wasn't as dumb as I thought I was, or was led to believe I was. I was an okay person. And this church community right here, you all, helped me make that transition to start because you accepted me for who I was. Um, more than I accepted myself. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first step in that process. And the big leap for me was going to celebrate recovery out at Hope on Thursday evenings, in addition to my, my outpatient program that I was working. I had to... Um, people... The fig had, leaves came off. Yeah, the fig yeah. leaves came <laughs> off, and I had to learn to believe that people did care about me. And, and trust that um, I was okay and that I could now let go of myself and I could give some of that love back and some of that appreciation and to care about when I say, You're, are you okay, how are you doing, I mean it, mean it with the deepest heart I have. But it's God's, it's, this is God doing this. If you... If somebody, if my, if my wife had suggested, we're going to have a couples group meet in our house every Wednesday, um, probably even three years ago, or four, maybe four, I would have said absolutely not. I'm not letting people into our house in my small world, my sanctity, for two reasons. One, I don't want to reveal myself, and two, I want to drink. <laughs> so it was, it was, 
you know, the harm of what I was doing to myself and doing to my relationship with Jody, and the harm that people wanted to have relationships with me. I had to start trusting what God was doing to let go of what was in me. And until that happened, I can't be in community, and, and yet we're, not we, I'm called to be in community. God calls me to be in a relationship. And now that I'm learning that and understanding that, even at this kind of late stage, thank God, um, it, is, it is so revealing. I can stop, I can take off the mask, and I can be who God is calling me to be. Do I still have hurts, hang-ups, and habits? Absolutely. Those, those problems don't go away. But I know how to deal with them today, and I can turn to God and ask for that forgiveness and turn to other people, the people that I love and trust that I, I've opened myself up to. Rick, I know this hasn't been easy for you, so uh, will you guys join me in saying thank you for uh, Rick for sharing his story with us. Thank you, Bella. I don't know if you can see that his lip was quivering as he was talking up here. So, and and that's, I think that brings a, a reality that we all need to remember as, as we enter into community. And again, I'm not just talking about playing church, but I'm talking about naked and unashamed, being a part of this. Um, there's a risk that's involved. There's a challenge that comes with that. There's a cost that is paid. But I'll tell you, the reward, the reward with this is so much greater. And, and I know... If you have questions or whatever, I know Rick would love to talk with you. Um, I, just, I think that's where we're going as a church, where we continue to see people remove fig leaves and be honest about uh, what's going on in their lives and what God is doing, because that's how we make space for community. We remember what God has done. So the final thing, uh, the third thing that I think that we need to do as a community to make space for community, I think, is to take the risk to be known. And Rick just did that in a very public fashion here. Uh, we did something like this a few weeks ago, and some of you are going, oh no, is he going to make us stand up and talk to somebody we don't know? Absolutely, that's what I'm going to make you do, right? Because there's a risk in being known, and, and I don't care how high the challenge you want to play on this, it's, it's your choice, but I will tell you, there is a risk and reward ratio here that happens. The greater the risk you take in terms of getting it out there and, and just saying, this is who I am. This is what's going on. The reward, the peace, the joy, the space that is created in your heart for all of those things is even greater. So what I want to do is put some questions up on the screen. Uh, I've got three questions up here, and I would love to have you stand up. And we're seriously going to do this. I know some of you that weren't here last time we did this, but uh, and, and if you're not comfortable doing this, I totally understand. You can find somebody that you know very well. Uh, and share with them. You can find somebody that you've never met before. Again, I will just say, the challenge, the greater the challenge, the greater the reward in this. And again, this is where we believe God is calling us as a church, is to be connected. Not, not just to play church on Sunday mornings or in our life groups or any day of the week, but to be the church together. So I want to give you just a couple minutes to go through these questions, uh, and then we'll come back together, and Kim's going to lead us in a couple worship songs and... Uh, we're just going to thank God for all that he's done already today and is going to continue to do this week throughout our community. So why don't you stand up, find somebody you know or don't know, talk about these questions and, and just see what God does with it. So as I've been thinking about us as a community and what this means... 
Here's the thing about as you enter into community, when we start being honest with each other, when we start living in the image of God, when we start removing our fig leaves, things just get messy, right? Things don't make sense. People are upset. Wounds are exposed, right? All of a sudden, it's not, it's not quite as easy just to kind of skate, skate through things. And I was talking to God this week, and I was saying, what is it that we as a community need to know? What do we need to walk away with here, God? What's, what's the parting word that you have for us? And I came to Isaiah 53, and it's this description of Jesus that it was written thousands of years before Jesus came. And this is what Isaiah said as he not only described who Jesus was, but as he talked about the result of Jesus' death and resurrection. It says that he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. Right? Jesus can relate to us in our deepest grief. We turn our backs on him and look the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God and a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. And here is the part that I think God wants all of us to hear today. Just to remember, and maybe you don't need it today, but maybe you're going to need it soon. Or maybe somebody in this community that you're going to run into needs to hear it soon. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. That is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, and that is what brings us together as a community. That's what we're called to experience is healing and hope. Would you stand with me, please? God, we say thank you to you for, for all that you've done for us, God, this morning and for the connections that are being made, God, for the way that you've called us to live in your image as, as brothers and sisters, not as strangers, but as, as connected individuals. And God, I pray you'd unite us. No matter what our differences are, no matter what we look like or, or where we've come from or what our story is, God, would you bring us together around that fact, God, that you've come to heal, to seek and save the lost and not just forgive us, God, but to, to bring heaven to earth today. God, let the healing begin and let the community thrive. In Jesus' name, everybody said.